you know, there's a lot of couples who are struggling with infertility. And part of that process sometimes is that, you know, maybe you're considering IVF, in vitro fertilization. And the reality is that our Christian faith actually interacts with that process, that it should inform the decisions that we make along the way. So that's what we're gonna talk about today um, so that you all can have the information to make the decisions. So we have a lot of information to cover in this video, which we'll be talking solely on IVF. But there's a couple questions and kind of the heart behind us doing all of that that we will not be covering in this video. So we have a video from that we did last year for Mother's Day that goes over our story and why we're doing this, our heart behind it. Mm -hmm. It's just something we're not going to be covering takes. We have so much info that in that one, it'll kind of share more how we feel and our heart behind it. But another thing that is the backbone of all of this, and if you don't have the answer to this question, I would like for you to go and reference this. It's on our website. Um, and it's about conception significant. Does life begin at conception? I think that is the first question that we all need to answer and understand. And then that kind of leads us into how do we apply all of this, which is kind of where we're at in this video, which is the application of that truth. And so today we're gonna just be talking more about answering that, but it comes from the foundation of understanding life at conception. Yeah, and we'll, we'll reference those videos below so that you can take a look at those if, yeah. if that's where you're at. So just to make this easy, we're going to put some timestamps below in the description as well as I think it's just at the bottom of the video so that you can kind of get to the point that you're wondering and answering the questions that you have. Mm -hmm. But I also just want to give an introduction that um, normally when you hear IVF, there's probably um, an approach that you're thinking of and you think that you know what IVF is, but there's actually two approaches. There's one that is less well known. And because IVF, as we're gonna talk about today, it can get really complicated in trying to maneuver through all the decisions you have to make and you know, have that align with life beginning at conception and just our faith, that um, there's another approach that can make that a lot easier and simpler. It's not as read readily available, but it's, um, it makes it just a lot easier to walk through. So we're gonna talk about both of those, how to walk through a traditional IVF mm -hmm. in a way that is consistent with our faith and also another approach that actually just, it kind of makes it real easy. So I'm gonna get let Joseph get started on all of the research that he has really been doing. Yeah, so as Monica said, there's sort of two approaches to IVF and we're gonna start with the more traditional one, the one that you're probably more familiar with. And maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, but I think that either way, it might be beneficial if I sort of walk through the major steps in the process of that traditional approach to IVF. These will be different though than that alternate approach that I'm gonna talk about later. Uh, the first step in the process is basically that the eggs and sperm are harvested from the husband and wife. Um, and then the second step is that conception occurs. So right off the bat, conception is occurring. And that's, that's something that's really important um, as far as you know, we'll be making the decisions along the way. If you're starting off with conception, then you're starting off by conceiving multiple children. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know that, what that means is that every decision after that point really matters. Um, and so because this happens so early, that's why this process can get so complicated because there's a lot of decisions that happen after that point. Mm -hmm. um, but basically conception occurs and then those conceived children are allowed to grow and develop in sort of a clinical environment. Then once they reach a certain stage of development, once they reach that stage of being uh, an embryo, then implantation occurs. So that some of those embryos are selected for implantation and then the rest are frozen. Mm -hmm. um, and then after implantation, sometimes depending on the, the doctor and the clinic and, and the decisions that we make along the way, 
um, you might choose to implant multiple embryos. And for example, maybe if you chose to implant three, then one of the sort of additional steps that might be suggested to you is what's called selective reduction, where, okay, all three implantations took, everything looks great, but that's too many babies to have at once. So let's use an abortion procedure, dilation and cuterage, um, to remove one of those child uh, from the womb. And then the, the last thing is that, you know, after you're done with that first cycle of IVF, you still have these frozen embryos. And the question becomes, what do you do with them? Um, and maybe it's that, you know, you're ready for another round of IVF. And so you choose to thaw an additional embryo implant and have another child. But oftentimes what happens is that some, at some point in the process, once you've sort of finished through um, all of the cycles you've had the children that you, that you wanted to have, you still potentially have frozen embryos. And you have to make a decision about what do you do with those uh, children who are basically still frozen at this point um, in sort of a cryogenic state. And so um, the, you can see through this process that there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And what I wanted to do was sort of start from the end and work our way backwards. Because really, I think that if you start from the right place, then you can make the decisions that make all of the other decisions easier. But I wanted to start with selective reduction and work our way backwards from there. What happens here is that sometimes, you know, you choose to implant multiple embryos at the same time. Um, and because, you know, like, for example, if you chose to implant four at one time, that and, and somehow um, all four survive implantation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, basically what happens is that you play a number game, numbers game, assuming that some of them aren't going to survive implantation. But the problem is that then if all four do survive implantation, mm -hmm. which at a certain level should be the hope, of course, because these are all conceived children, we want all of them to survive implantation, then it's, un, it's, it's unsafe for all four of them to continue uh, in the womb. And so then at that point, someone suggests that you do selective reduction. The problem is that selective reduction is abortion. It's, it's just another term for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we're starting from the place of life begins at conception. And we've got other videos where we talk about if that's still a question for you. But in applying that truth, abortion simply can't be an option. Mm -hmm. um, it, that it would absolutely violate, um, it, it would absolutely violate that position that life begins at conception. So that means that selective reduction can't be an option. There is good news, though, um, to the extent that um, what we can do basically is we can structure the decisions that come before selective reduction so that that never really needs to be a decision. And the way that you do that is in choosing how many embryos you're going to implant at a given time. And what you do is you choose the number with all the hope um, in the world that the two of them, um, or if, assuming that there's two, um, would actually survive implantation. Or if it's just one, then that the one would survive implantation. Mm -hmm that whatever number you choose to implant is the number that you expect, hope, and pray will actually survive implantation successfully. Mm -hmm. So then at that point, whenever you know the good news comes back that both of them survived implantation, then there's no need to do selective reduction because that was sort of the hope and the prayer all along. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it, it kind of eliminates the need for that step if you choose the right number going into it. And mm -hmm. you know that's you know, maybe you want twins, so maybe two is the right number for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's triplets, um, you know, and there, there is a risk that you need to take into account. That's a risk that you should talk through with your doctor. I'm not trying to give medical advice here on what, what at what point is there more risk um, that mm -hmm. you shouldn't be willing to take on. But the point is that our heart should be oriented towards, I hope and pray and am excited to hear that all of these survived implantation. I, ne I would never consider selective reduction because it was always my hope and prayer that all of them would survive implantation. Yeah. And once we, once we choose how many to implant based on that, that eliminates that need for that, that second step. So the next step in the process that I wanted to talk about is the step right before that, which is the decision to implant. 
Um, and basically what happens as part of the process is that the clinician will take a look at the embryos who are conceived and take a look at um, basically some different factors, some different ways that they can assess how likely is that child to survive implantation. So they'll look at morphology ratings, maybe they'll suggest doing a, a pre-implantation genetic screening. And the, the purpose of the process uh, of doing those steps sometimes can be to decide not to implant certain embryos that might have a risk of birth defects or might have um, a lower chance of surviving implantation. The problem is that that, that decision is not made, um, it, it's basically unaware of the fact that that life has already begun mm -hmm. and that that child has the right to continue that life. Mm -hmm. And these risks are just that, they are only risks. And mm -hmm. so as we think about the fact that, okay, if life begins at conception, we need to respect and protect that life and do everything that we can to give that life, that person, the best chance at a successful um, implantation, at a healthy life, then the decisions that need to be made after that are basically consistent with selective reduction if we choose to thaw and just simply not implant mm -hmm. um, one of those embryos. That once we choose to thaw an embryo, we need to do so with the decision to implant that embryo because otherwise we really are making the exact same decision as selective reduction, mm -hmm. where we are choosing to allow a life to end Mm -hmm. um, rather than doing everything in our power to keep that life going, to protect that life, as is sort of the responsibility that we're talking about with the fact that life begins at conception. So I just wanted to interrupt real quick because a lot of what Joseph is saying can be heavy to hear, especially if you've already walked through that in the past or maybe you're walking through it right now, that um, it's it's just, it might be feel like a burden yeah. on you. But I want to remind you, at the very end of this video, we're going to talk more about the heart of the matter, God's heart behind this, and the and a conversation that is filled with a lot of grace and and um, help for you, and not to feel so heavy after all of this conversation, and so that you know more of our heart. Right. Like I said, right now we're just spitting out a bunch of information, and then we want to talk a little bit more about our heart. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, or like she said at the beginning of this video. Um, it, it's really, there's just a lot of information to convey, so I'm just trying to get that across, um, you know, but we'll spend a little bit more time on that towards the end of the video. But as we, as we think about that process of IVF, you know, we've talked about selective reduction and, and what that decision means, and we've talked about the decision to implant and how um, we have to choose to implant any child that's conceived, but I want to take that step, uh, that process to the one step before that, which mm -hmm. is sort of the, the critical step, I think, in the process. Because of the fact that conception significance is so great, so important, Mm -hmm. that the decision uh, around conception, how many, you know, after, after you harvest the sperm and the eggs, how many children will you conceive? Mm -hmm. This is probably, I think, the most important conception, uh, this is the more, sorry, the most important decision that you make in the process. Mm -hmm. um, and that if we make this decision right, that a lot of these other decisions along the way become a lot easier. And at the end of the day, what's important here is that we've accepted, uh, like we said at the beginning, and maybe you're not there, I mean, you can watch the other resources that we have on this, but we've accepted that life begins at conception. And in trying to apply that, what that means is that every child that's conceived, we need to do everything in our power to make sure that they have the best chance for a healthy life, a healthy pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, and I realize we don't control the outcomes. There are a lot of risks to this process, mm -hmm. but we do control our decisions along the way. And I just want to encourage us to make the right decisions along the way that are consistent with respecting the fact that life begins at conception. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is no more important decision than the decision to conceive. Um, then in this process because that's the decision that really matters the most from a faith perspective from a spirituality perspective mm -hmm. And here's here's where sort of the challenge of traditional IVF comes in because the traditional process of IVF is very expensive 
And because of that, there's sort of, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, an economies of scale to conceiving multiple children at the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. And you're sort of encouraged to play this numbers game. Um, oftentimes, I think the number that's recommended is around 15. So choosing to conceive 15 children at the start of the process. And sort of the way that it's explained is, well, some won't survive implantation, some won't, uh, we won't even want to implant because of the risk of birth defects. And then, you know, if even they do survive implantation, we might do some selective reduction. And you can hear in that that there's just not a respect for the significance of conception, for the fact that those are 15 children. And we've yeah. already seen how those decisions that are suggested potentially along the way to reduce those, that number down to the number of children that you actually want to raise mm -hmm. um, it is actually decisions that you really shouldn't be allowed to make mm -hmm. from the standpoint of respecting life beginning at conception. Yeah. So, Here's really what I would suggest as the appropriate way to think about that decision. I'm not going to give you a number because that's really up to you. But the right way to think about it is that you want, just like that decision that we talked about earlier as far as implantation, whenever you choose to implant two, it's because you want to have twins and you're hopeful that both of them survive implantation. Mm -hmm. That same approach, that same thought process is the way to make the decision about conception. Mm -hmm. That however many children you conceive, your heart and your hope and your your faith, your your prayer is that all of them survive the entire process and that you're able to raise all of them. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're thinking about, you know, do we conceive 15 children? The question that you ask yourself is, do we want to raise 15 children? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, choosing to have more kids. But if the answer is no, then I think that you need to rethink the number. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it's five, you know, maybe you want to have a big family and five is the right number, or maybe your definition of a big family is a little bit bigger than that. And that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But the point is that the decision that we make going into it is hoping and praying that every single one uh, is conceived successfully, um, survives the process of being thawed and implanted, survives implantation successfully, ultimately is born healthy, and we're able to raise and love them. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you start out with that decision, I want to show you how that eliminates all of the problems along the way in this process. That if you start mm -hmm. with that mindset, you don't, and then you, know, you make the right decision at the implantation stage of wanting you're, you're going to choose to implant the number that you want to actually survive because your heart and your hope is that all five survive. Mm -hmm. So if that means you need to go one at a time, so be it. And um, then at, you never get to that point of selective reduction. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the process, you would never end up with those frozen embryos because mm -hmm. you wanted all of those children that you started with. Mm -hmm. You wanted to raise all of them. Mm -hmm. Now, I realize as I say this, there's the practical problem, right? Of, okay, well, what if we start with five and none of them end up surviving. And, and that's a tragedy, right? And, and I know that that would be difficult, but then we wouldn't have the money to try again um, or something like that. And I realized that, that what this means basically is that we're not being as sort of efficient with our time and our money and our resources into the process. But the purpose of t making this approach is to be far more careful with the more precious commodity, which is the children that are conceived in the process. Yeah. And there is an element of prayer and faith that goes into that. I believe that God can absolutely bless the process of IVF, but I believe that we want to do things his way, that we want to get on his side of the equation. Um, it sort of reminds me of the story of Joshua, um, where he went and he, to the commander of the Lord's armies and said, are you for us or against us? Are you for us or for our enemies? And he said, no, but I am for the Lord. And then Joshua realized, I, I'm not here to have you fight my battles. I'm here to fight your battles. And I think that some of what I'm trying to get at is that we want to be doing this the way that God intended, mm -hmm. which is that conception matters. And like yeah. I said, we've got other videos where we talk about where God makes that clear in the scriptures. Yeah. And 
something that we've covered in another video i forget exactly which one because we've done one another one on um just a bunch of our different resources on this topic but just recognizing i think it was our mother's day post of recognizing that if you have conceived and i understand the desire to be a mom and the waiting and all of that mm -hmm. um that if you have conceived even if the process doesn't go all the way through and i understand wanting to have and hold a baby but if you have conceived from that moment that that there is conception mm -hmm. that you are a mom and mm -hmm. that you are a dad and mm -hmm. that at that moment you know you have you have these children and you know you're now a parent that is even though there's you know more steps to go through that from that very moment that you are a parent making decisions for that child mm -hmm. and so um you know just regarding life from that very first step and regarding that at that moment you're a mom and you're a dad that from then on out you're going to be protecting your children yeah yeah and maybe you know as she's saying that i just want to acknowledge the fact that we're putting this video out for mother's day um, so maybe you're going to go to a Mother's Day service this weekend, and maybe you've conceived before, but you know you've had a miscarriage, um, mm -hmm. or maybe you know you've you've gone through the process of IVF, and so you've had these conceptions, but you didn't really ever have maybe even a successful implantation. Um, I want you to understand something: that because life begins at conception, that means that from the moment the conception has occurred, you are a mom, you are a dad. And so whenever they at that service this weekend say, you know, could all of the moms stand? We want to give you a flower or whatever it is that they do. You can stand with confidence that that is the biblical answer to that question, that you are a mom. And the other thing in this, we've, we've had two miscarriages. Um, the other thing that brings us a lot of comfort is that we know from the scripture that we will see them again, that we, they will not return to us, as David said, but we will go to them. And so you can have confidence that whether it is that you went through this process of IVF and you were not able to have a successful implantation or a healthy pregnancy or able to deliver, um, that that still means that there is an eternal life that was made there and that you will see them again. And maybe you've just had a miscarriage, um, but I want you to know that you will see them again mm -hmm. and that you can have confidence in that. And I think that's sort of the point here is that in making all of these decisions, we're taking our emphasis away from the here and the now and the natural and instead trying to focus our decisions and make our decisions around what's important eternally from a more spiritual perspective. Now, I, I want to talk more towards the end of this video for couples who have gone through IVF, but maybe you're watching this video and you've started the process of IVF. You've already started with conceiving maybe more children uh, than you intended. Maybe you've even been successful and you've had um, several healthy pregnancies. Um, and now you're sitting there with frozen embryos and these frozen conceived children and you're not sure, well, okay, this video is helpful if I had watched it maybe six months ago, but what do I do that I'm watching it now? Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we make the decisions with these frozen embryos, um, with these children who are still conceived but haven't yet been implanted? And I wanna sort of walk through that process. Really, there's kind of three options that people would give you. Um, the first would be um, that you can actually take those embryos and donate them to another infertile couple. This is a process that's called embryo adoption. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that that's a legitimate option. Mm -hmm. that, that, that process of adoption um, that we could see after the child was born can be done before the child is born. Mm -hmm. 
and that the important thing is that that decision is made with that same sort of rigor that you would do through the process of adoption of making sure that that child has the best chance for success. In other words, in terms of choosing what couple you might donate those, um, those children to, that you might allow those children to be adopted by, mm -hmm. that you would know that they're not going to do selective reduction with those children, that they're not gonna choose not to implant those children, mm -hmm. that you know that you can be confident uh, that, that those kids have the best chance in life, just like mm -hmm. you would any of your other children. Yeah. Um, the second option that there might be um, would be, and I know that this might sound a little scary, but choosing to have them, choosing to have more kids than you intended. And I've realized that that can feel overwhelming and feel a little scary. There's a verse that I maybe want to read to maybe encourage you a little bit that you, you actually can do this. Mm -hmm. um, it's out of uh, Psalms 127, uh, starting in verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, room, the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is he, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. Mm -hmm. And you just, you hear that phrase, blessed is he who fills his quiver with them. And I realize, you know, depending on how many kids you still have, um, that you're making this decision about, it can be a little scary that, you know, you weren't planning on having that many kids, but there is a blessing in scripture um, for those who do have a lot of kids, that, that God intended this to be a blessing to you. And the, the third option that some clinics might present to you, that some doctors might suggest, is to simply allow those conceived children to thaw and not be implanted. And I want you to understand that because life begins at conception, because that is a life that has been conceived, that that decision is the, has the same effect as choosing abortion that that decision chooses to take a life that has been conceived, chooses to take a child that has been conceived and allow them to pass. And there's a parenting article magazine that, that sort of talks through the parents who are in this situation and how did they face it and how did it affect them? Um, there's a Duke University professor in there who um, said this, when you're pouring your money, your heart, and your soul into creating an embryo, creating a life, um, the last thing that you want to think about is how you're going to dispose of it. And a study that was cited in that article found that one out of five couples who do IVF who are in this situation choose to keep that, those children frozen indefinitely despite the cost of doing so. And then there's, there's so much confusion in the article about parents holding ceremonies whenever they choose to do that, um, parents describing a sense of loss but being unwilling to call it grief because of what that might mean. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just so much confusion here because at the end of the day, there is a reality to what's happening. Conception is significant. Mm -hmm. And whenever we ignore that, it causes us the sort of pain that's described in that article. And what I'm trying to do in this video is not trying to give you a bunch of rules or make you feel guilty about decisions or anything like that or try to force you or guilt trip you into doing something. I'm trying to save you from the pain that's described in this article. I'm trying to save you from the pain that ignoring conception significance inevitably causes in our lives. Mm -hmm. because we can't ignore the truth without experiencing that pain. So we want to acknowledge that some have chosen that third option. And first off, I want to start off that I have been there. I have made decisions in my past. We're going to talk about that in a video coming up that have led to loss of life and I did not know. And so um, that is very heavy. It's very heavy when you find that there is conception significance and that the decisions we make can sometimes end a life. 
Um, but with that, I also want to let you know and remind you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That with decisions, any of our decisions in the past, there is full forgiveness. There is his mercy and his grace. There is his redemption. And that, you know, moving forward, that we know that one day we will see all of our children again, as we said, that we have, you know, lost two children through miscarriage and um, that we know that they're in good hands, that they're with God and being taken care of and that um, we will get to see them for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly I, I know how this can feel like it's rules and it's weighty and it's heavy and that is not at all the point. That is not at all our heart. My heart is not to make you feel a weight of any guilt or condemnation or anything like that, especially one where you might feel like you need to be defensive or anything like that. That's not the intention here. Mm -hmm. We understand the challenges and the decisions that come along the way and how yeah. there's a lot of confusion um, around what is actually happening. You know, the, the scientific community tells you one thing and that's, that's why we went through the scientific aspects as well as the biblical aspects for why conception is so significant and why we know that life begins at conception not just biblically, but also scientifically. Um, and, and all of that, I think what I wanna to get to is that morality is never a matter for rules or law. We know that from the scripture, that the law, I could never give you enough steps and enough rules to make us moral. It's just not possible. Morality is always an issue of the heart. And so the heart of the matter that I wanna talk about here, the decisions that, that we make here really comes from a decision to, like I said, respect and protect that life from the moment of conception. Yeah. And if I could maybe sort of illustrate for you the challenge of IVF in a much sort of more conceptual sense, it's this, that in the natural process of conceiving and having children, there isn't a decision to implant. There's a decision to conceive. You choose whether or not you're going to have intercourse and try to conceive. But then once you've made that decision and you've tried and, and maybe, you know, it wasn't successful, maybe it was, then once you've conceived, there is no decision that we make about implantation. Mm -hmm. We choose, basically, it, it may not happen always, but implantation is a natural event that happens afterwards. And so what I'm trying to get at is that in the natural process and the way that God designed things, once conception started, there wasn't a decision that we could make along the way to stop it. Um, and in other words, a decision to conceive was the same as a decision to implant. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is, it, in the process of doing IVF is to think about it in that same way, that a decision to conceive is a decision to implant. That whenever we choose to conceive a child, we're doing so with the intention the, and the decision already made in our minds that we are going to implant that child. I mentioned at the beginning of this video that there's another approach to IVF that's a lot simpler to walk through. And to the extent that maybe you've decided as a couple that you want to do IVF or are seriously considering it, but you haven't actually started down that road yet, I'd really encourage you to watch this next part because this process of IVF is so much simpler to walk through mm -hmm. um, while regarding conception significance. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it's so much simpler is that it starts with egg freezing. It starts with frozen eggs. And these are eggs that haven't been fertilized. Um, so this is through the process of using frozen eggs or egg freezing. It can sometimes also be called oocyte vitrification, which is a little bit just more of a technical or exact way of describing what's done. Um, but I wanted to outline the process so that you can see why this is different and why it's so much simpler and I'll walk you through it. So the first step in the process is that the eggs are harvested from the mom and then they're frozen. Mm -hmm. 
and notice that conception hasn't occurred. So a child's life hasn't begun yet. Those eggs are then frozen. Um, and then what happens as the next step is that they take a look at the frozen eggs and they choose some to thaw. And then, a, and then the ones that are thawed, they then choose to fertilize and implant. So, you know, maybe at, what happens is that they, they harvest, you know, maybe even more than 15, they harvest 20 eggs. I, I don't know exactly the number that would be typical in this process, but they harvest a lot of eggs, but then they'll freeze all of them. And since conception hasn't occurred, there's no real um, thaw survival risk. There's no real issue with thawing and disposing of those eggs mm -hmm. because it's all prior to the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, maybe a handful of those are then thawed and then inspection is done and, and they decide, they look at the, the health of those eggs again before um, conception has occurred and, and they choose, okay, let's, let's thaw five of them. And in looking at the five, really these two are the ones that are healthy. And then you can choose how many to fertilize. Maybe it's just one, or maybe it's two because you maybe you want to have twins. Mm -hmm. um, and then you fertilize and implant right away. And the, the benefit of that process is that there is such an immediate plan after the moment of conception, that the moment of conception is you make the plan to conceive and implant very close together. Those are really one decision, which like I said before, is really sort of the crux of the issue with the other approach. Mm -hmm. And the other benefit to this is that then whenever you reach the end of the cycle, let's say that you've been very successful um, and you harvested 20 eggs and you were able to bam, 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 one, two, three, have a successful implantation. So you've got 17 frozen eggs left. Well, these are frozen eggs. They're not frozen embryos. Mm -hmm. The fertilization hasn't occurred. Conception hasn't occurred. Life hasn't begun. Mm -hmm. You can thaw them and dispose of them and there's no moral issue. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's such a simpler process to go through. The other thing is, and, and I sort of mentioned this earlier, is that one part of the process of a traditional IVF is that the embryo is thawed after it's frozen. And the process of freezing and thawing the embryo actually presents a risk to that embryo that they won't survive that process. It's called a thaw survival risk. And because of the fact that all of this happens, you thaw the eggs before conception occurs, then if the egg doesn't survive, it's, it's, it's not its own living individual organism like we talked about because conception hasn't occurred. So it eliminates the thaw survival risk for embryos because conception actually occurs mm -hmm. after. Mm -hmm. the, the other good news is that this method is just as effective. Mm -hmm. That studies have shown that it is just as effective actually as using the, the fresh embryo cycle, which is sort of your best mm -hmm. cycle in IVF is that first cycle before you thaw and, um, sorry, freeze and thaw the embryos and add that additional risk. Mm -hmm. The best cycle in IVF is that first cycle, mm -hmm. which is what's called a, a fresh embryo transfer. Mm -hmm. In other words, a, an embryo that's never been frozen. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's been shown is that these eggs that are thawed and then inspected, that they are just as likely to have a successful implantation and a healthy pregnancy as those fresh embryos. So this method is just as effective. Mm -hmm. Now, the only challenge to it is that maybe not every single IVF clinic does this. Mm -hmm. um, so what you want to do whenever you're choosing, if you decide to do IVF, and you want to do it this way, which like I said, it, it does really simplify the process because really it's, it's that easy. You just thaw the eggs, choose the best ones, fertilize and implant. Mm -hmm. And you've eliminated a lot of the, the sort of uh, hazards along the way in the traditional process. So if you choose to do this, then just whenever you're choosing which clinic you'd go to, you wanna make sure that they're able to do it in this way and have them describe the process to you and refer back to this video mm -hmm. and see if the process that they described lines up more with this approach to IVF or the other. Mm -hmm. And just feel free to ask questions. And if you explain to them that our position is that life begins at conception, any child that's conceived in this process, we want to implant and have as a healthy pregnancy, do our part at least.
then they should be able to respect that um, and help you help guide you and as to whether or not they're going to be able to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the good news is that it's not, it's not that rare. There are plenty of clinics. If you're in a big city, it's going to be easy to find an IVF clinic that will do this through egg freezing. So hopefully you found this video helpful. We've gone over the two approaches now, the first one being the traditional approach to IVF. And what we really want you to get from that is that the decision to conceive is always the decision to implant. Those are one and the same. Once life has started, we need to follow through with all of that to protect the life of the children that we've conceived. And then um, I know that part of that news, as we've walked through all of those steps, can bring some heaviness. And Mm -hmm. we really want you to understand, we've said this multiple times, that our heart is not to pass judgment or to bring condemnation on you. I know it can feel heavy, but I come from a place that we have both, I had to walk through this with Joseph in that there is healing and there is, um, once you face the truth, as heavy as it is, that you can process it. And that's where we're coming from. We're coming from a place of wanting to help, that we have been there and we wanna help other couples that have are going to have to face this or have faced this to walk it out to not possibly prevent or help in the healing process and then hopefully as well that the second approach was really great news to anyone who is wanting to do this for another time or for the first time that you see the simplicity that you can harvest all the eggs that you want it's not going to affect it you can look at the eggs pick out the healthy ones and the process is just simple and easy and then once you conceive you can you know start getting those babies and you know start your family and it's just simple and so hopefully if you have any questions at all if there was anything we didn't answer or you need some help with the healing process we have so many scriptures with that we also have um just so much more information like we said there's a lot here if you if if you were left with a question please reach out to us at our email, lovingtheology at gmail.com, or you can private message us, whether we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, you can comment here, or you might not want to comment, you know, something, but whatever it is, please reach out to us on all of our platforms. You can hear our podcast too, so that email might work the best, but we are hoping that this was informational to you, helpful, and that we are here for you as well. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you for joining us.